Welcome to another episode of the Science of Hitting podcast. My name's Alex Morris, for those of you that don't know, and there's no ads on this podcast, so I'll insert my own ad right now. I have a Substack that you should go check out. I'll link to it after the podcast link when I tweet this out, and that's it for advertising. Today's guest is Bill Brewster recently called him, I think the quote was the, the best media analyst that he knows or the best media <sighs> analyst in the world. And Oh my you know, God. <laughs> I, think I think it's a pretty it's a pretty fair representation when i need to know something about media he's the guy i always reach out to so uh yeah his name is francisco Oliveira. francisco how you doing hey uh definitely not you know nearly that was too too nice of you guys but yeah definitely nowhere near uh the best media analyst in the world but i'm doing well there's a lot to talk about given the uh craziness happening in the in the media world yeah, there's definitely a lot to talk about. So let's just jump right in. Um, probably the biggest news is, uh, I guess, 10 days ago now, it was announced that Warner Media and Discovery are looking at combining. Um, you know, it's going to take a while for the deal to close. Sounds like mid-2022. And, you know, just at a high level, I'll kind of give you my thoughts and then you can you can tell us what you think. Yeah, I wrote an article about the deal and the things that kind of stand out to me is one, there's a fair amount of debt on the entity Two, it still has a lot of exposure to linear TV. And then three, I, I just wonder what this does for their D to C ambitions long-term, particularly internationally where, you know, HBO had real problems going international anyways, and adding discovery may or may not give them additional firepower, but I've honestly been, a little bit underwhelmed by the results discoveries put up so far in D2C. So I, I just don't know how true that is, but we'll find out. But so what are your thoughts on the deal? It's an interesting deal. I mean, when, when uh, full disclosure, I'm long Disney. When I, when I view it with my Disney hat in terms of Disney did a, a very tra- big transformational deal a couple of years ago when about the entertainment assets of, of Fox. And so the 21st, the 20th century assets, they they basically looked at it as a position of strength, um, but it took a over a year to for regulars to approve, some time thereafter to integrate, and then we're really su- starting to see the 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 fruits of the of that transaction, um, well into three plus years um, from the announcement. So these things take time. So when I and when I view the success of Disney over a hundred million Disney plus subscribers, the content that they have, everything that they have to go to, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of time to pull these deals off. So then I put my, apply that framework to, to this transaction. It doesn't seem like these two companies, Discovery and Warner were at a position of strength to become stronger. They were sort of, well, Discovery subscale in, in globally and in the U S and they have a lot of content and they're trying to go direct to consumer, but that's, you know, it's, it's questionable whether they can really manage the transition from pay TV to streaming. And you have Warner Media that was inside of AT&T. AT&T has a lot of leverage um, and they have to make a lot of investments in, in their wireless business and their fiber business. It didn't seem like they were going to be able to really give uh, Warner the investment to, to go global. So they're combining and see in and to to align that business to go truly global D to C, but it's it's gonna take a lot. Um, the 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 content rights that each business has, uh, 
are all over the place, particularly on the Warner Media side, that they've licensed a lot of content um, to other players in some markets. That makes it difficult for them to have a, a DTC business. This is going to take a year plus to close. Um, it's going to have a lot of, um, it's going to be a, a, a big effort to integrate. And it's going to have a lot of dev on top, about five times EBITDA. So you need to delever, you need to cut costs, you need to have a uniform direct-to-consumer strategy. So there are, so there are a lot of challenges, um, more challenges than I think the Disney uh, deal had, which they were very, very clear in the content that they had and what they wanted to do versus here where there's a lot of questions. But I think to be fair, there are also opportunities. And on the Warner side, there's really valuable intellectual property that they can monetize. Yeah, I think that's all fair. You know, one part of it that's kind of, I don't know if funny is the right word. It just, one part that stands out to me was, was one of Stanky's, the CEO of AT&T, one of his quotes around the deal was, my personal reaction is I'm a bit sad. I'm disappointed that the shift in the market that occurred caused us to have to step back and reevaluate. And it, obviously there's hindsight bias in this comment. And, you know, they announced, the initial deal was announced when in 2016, the, the Time Warner deal? I believe so, yeah. So this is obviously going back five years, but it's just funny to think now, I mean, if we go back one year to the launch of HBO Max, I can't imagine what kind of kind of investment spend they assumed they would need to actually succeed. I mean, <laughs> they should have had a pretty good sense that this was going to take a lot of investment for them to be successful in the U.S., let alone globally. And I don't know, that quote and a lot of what John Malone said during his CNBC interview with David Faber, it, it just became really apparent that they looked at how much capital would be required and how much time would be required to be successful here. And they also looked at those same considerations for their, their core wireless slash connectivity business and just realize that they couldn't do both at the same time. But it just, it, it's just funny to me to think that they ever thought they could. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to kind of look back and and truly understand what what AT and T management was thinking because I think when they initially announced the deal to acquire Time Warner, I'm not sure they were really thinking about like you know, a global direct to consumer head to head with Netflix, like for real in terms of the pound for pound content spent. I think they were trying to think more about how they could make this work with, with direct TV and then to help their wireless. And, and even they said some crazy things about advertising and short form content and taking game of Thrones clips on your phone. And I think when they brought Jason Kylar in to run Warner Media, and even if you take a step back before they brought in Jason Kylar, they brought pretty reputable people in um, from NBC and, and, and other places to help run that place. So they had a content strategy. They, they, had, they started HBO Max. They talked about HBO Max with sports, with, with ads, with, with no ads. It was a little bit all over the place. I think so that when we fast forward, they brought in Jason Kyler a year ago. He really brought focus to their strategy. But I mean, they couldn't enter many, you know, they can't enter Germany, um, the UK, Italy, um, Canada, I believe. 
And many of mm-hmm. those, and they can't enter those markets because they've licensed out the content. And many of those deals, particularly the ones in Europe, were were made, were renewed after AT&T bought HBO, which that tells you that they weren't necessarily thinking about the, these truly going global, or, or at least um, they thought U.S. was more important. So when you when you look at these stanky quotes that he said he's sad, I think he's, you know, maybe he had a good relationship with Jason Kylar and he's kind of sad that that's ending. But there, there hasn't been, a sh- I don't believe, when he says there's been a shift in the market, there hasn't been a shift in the market. I mean, I remember when Disney announced that they were going direct to consumer. Um, some people were like, well, they're late or they have a lot to catch up and the market's already going in this direction and pay TV is in trouble. And so there, nothing in the market has really changed over the past uh, couple of years. So I just think AT&T realized that um, particularly with there was a C-band spectrum auction in December, and I think AT&T, they, 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 they won bids to acquire over $30 billion of spectrum um, around that ballpark, and AT&T already had um, significant leverage in their balance sheet. They were trying to sell assets. Now they had to you know, basically buy the spectrum. If not, they would be extremely behind their competitors in wireless. And well, then, then we also know they have to put billions and billions and billions and billions to work to make their direct-to-consumer HBO Max service successful. And they would probably rather have the Warner Media uh, asset to, to generate cash flow and not to invest. So I think it's, you know, when he says that quote, I think we got to put it in proper context of what's happening in AT&T, what's really happening in the markets and into the streaming market. And I think uh, it's just got too complicated to them. They also have an activist investor putting pressure on them. So I just think it, and they have a huge dividend where they, they, the AT&T where they pay a lot of uh, cash flow to shareholders and, you know, maybe it's best for them to just clean up the portfolio and, 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 and divest the asset, but I'm not sure there was a shift in the market per se. Yeah, I think that's all fair. You know, I, I, like yourself, I come back to the Disney perspective a lot. And even the last thing you were just saying there, you, you know, it's not just the investment to go D to C, right? It's investing in D to C, which as is happening also leads to the demise of linear TV in the United States, which for most of these companies is a huge source of revenues and cash flow. Mm-hmm. So you're you're throwing money in in one bucket and hoping that it leads to a brighter future at the same time everybody collectively throwing their money into their buckets is killing this other pie (laughs) and it's it's you know if you're disney and setting COVID aside you have a pretty diversified business and you have really strong brands they were able to make that transition if we just start from when they launched disney plus and the other dtc services they were able to make good headway on that transition really quickly for the other companies that are competing here you know that are not having 100 million uh you know subscribers in a short period of time that might take them years to get to that transition could be deeper and longer and it's kind of to the point you made if they had if they had needs for capital elsewhere within AT&T, that starts to become a real problem. And I think 
you know, Malone's commentary on CNBC, when he talked about AT&T, he, he really harped on that point. And it kind of leads to my second question, which is one about timing and avoiding regulatory and governance issues. Um, it's pretty apparent that AT&T, after having faced, you know, the two-year legal battle on the front end of Time Warner, they wanted nothing to do with anything like that on the back end. And it almost seems like discovery was partly chosen because of the fact that they could minimize those risks as opposed to someone like Comcast, which could potentially bring risks on the regulatory front and the governance front if Brian Roberts was uh, unwilling to you know, part with control in certain ways. So I'm, cu- I'm curious what you think about Comcast's position now. Maybe it'd be helpful if I read some of what Malone said Uh, in the interview with Faber, he said, my comment to Brian was, this is the pickle out of the jar. There was now going to be a public company and it was not going to be controlled by anybody. And if the regulatory environment permitted down the road, all kinds of relationships could be contemplated between this enterprise, meaning Warner Media plus Discovery and Brian's enterprise. And I think there are plenty of opportunities for this Discovery Time Warner enterprise to work with NBCU to develop successful businesses. Uh, and then he went on, you know, and Faber basically pushed him and said, is that really, is that realistic? You know, can that actually get done? Malone continued, this is a regulatory issue, I think. There's no que- question Brian would have loved to acquire Time Warner. At this point in time, assessing the regulatory environment and the competitive environment and people's requirements for control, I believe AT&T made the judgment that they were better off at this point in history in working with Discovery. But I'm sure NBCU was very much in their minds as an alternative. Where do where do you think this puts Comcast, and um, how how do they move forward from here? Look, I think when we look at M and A in general, I think many people focus on just price, and that's it. But I think we have to realize that they're real humans behind the scenes, and it's all about incentives. It's all about hey, if, if I sell my company, I'm going to get fired and then what do I do? Or if I have a family business that's con- that controls an asset, I, I kind of want to keep that level of control. So when I look, if you, if you analyze it from pure financial perspective, there's no doubt in my mind that um, Brian Roberts can create a transaction that is more attractive for AT&T shareholders, shareholders extremely attractive for Comcast shareholders, by spinning off NBC, Universal, and Sky, merging it with Warner, I believe you would need to divest certain assets, particularly um, the regional sports networks, because AT&T has a portfolio of regional sports, and so does Comcast. Together, that regional sports network, network portfolio, combined with the Turner sports rights, would probably be a major no-no for regulators Remember when Disney was acquiring the the twenty the 20th century assets that included a huge RSN portfolio from Fox and ESPN obviously is owned by Disney. Regulators said, no way, sell the RSNs. Disney did close the deal. So the RSNs of AT&T and NBC combined with Turner's sports rights, which they have MLB, NBA, now NHL and others, um, would be a problem, but you divest that. The second one is is uh, news network. So, so Turner Warner Media has CNN, NBC. You has um, MSNBC, CNBC, um, 
and and, and you got a, a news empire with uh with NBC as well. So you would probably need to to let go of CNN and and the portfolio of RSNs. But you get that out of the way, and, and th- those aren't really the more more important strategic part of this transaction. You get those out of the way, I think, if you spin off the NBC use Sky assets from Comcast, combine it with the Warner assets. There's way more uh, cash flow between those two. There's way more synergies because Universal has big uh, film and, and television studios. Discovery does not, and obviously Warner does. So there's synergies on the the film and TV studio side. There's synergies on the cable portfolio side. There's there's synergies on the overhead side. So there's a lot more synergies and and strategic value between the two because Sky that we mentioned earlier has the HBO rights in important Western European markets. Domestically, HBO licenses the Universal movies in that contract and soon, but Universal, um, I mean, NBCU and their cable portfolio, they license a lot of content from Warner, particularly the Harry Potter movies are on Peacock and not on HBO Max. And HBO Max is working on a on a potential Harry Potter uh, television show to expand that universe. And you would want the library of movies on, on, the, on the streaming platform to, to, to actually generate even more demand for, for that television show or for people to watch the television show and then continue to engage with Harry Potter. And by the way, Harry Potter is in the, in the NBC Universal parks. They have a big Harry Potter right. in, in Orlando. So there's a lot of, your cross promotion synergies. Um, you clean up the licensing, so there's no doubt in mind that 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 it's a better deal. The other issue is if if Comcast spins off NBCU and Sky, is Brian Roberts willing to do what John Malone did and and, and basically surrender his his super voting con- uh, shares because he basically controls Comcast because he has a super voting share which I believe gives him like a third of the vote for Com- for Comcast. Correct me if, if I'm wrong on that. Um, and I think clearly that was an important part of the deal for, for AT&T to have a new company that doesn't have a controlling shareholder. And, and Discovery has a super voting uh, share structure and Malone gave that up. So I think it's, it's the, 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 the ball's on Brian Roberts' hand in terms of does he, is he willing to forego his vote? Is he willing to structure a deal that's attractive? Um, well, let me, let me just jump in I'm there not- real quick because the CFO of Comcast was at a conference today and, un- and not unexpectedly was asked about, you know, basically the deal directly or really NBCU gen- generally how they, how they view their need to take action. And his quote was, Hear me loud and clear. We like the hand we have, and M&A is not an answer. Yeah, I mean, I think he's also trying to, you know, I, I don't think he, if, if they're really considering it, I don't think he can say it, right? And I don't think he's, I don't, you know, he, he also said that, yeah, they'll they'll always look at M&A, so never say, ne- he didn't say never say never, but basically that's what he meant. And I think he's trying to say, like, look, we don't need M&A to, to do well, by shareholders and he he's probably right on that but i think if you are looking at a global landscape where you're either you're either looking very very small and and at risk 
of basically other companies having leverage over you and your content? Or are you going to protect the assets that you have and make them even more valuable by combining with others and becoming a much more global business? I think that's what they have to think about. So to, to end the, the earlier point, I, you know, Brian Roberts has a lot to think about and I think he can do the deal, but does he want to forego control? Does he want to get into this exercise? And it's not easy. And to your point on the, on the Malone quote saying, look, the pickles out of the jar, this company is going to be out there. You know, maybe you can do some things. It's possible, right. That, that down the road, NBC, you could acquire that with Sky and form a mega company and divest the assets that need to be divested. But if you're Comcast, are you willing to wait probably four years for that to happen? And what if this merger with Discovery and Warner is a super success and then they don't, you know, they don't really need to to partner with NBC, with NBC Universal. They can go on their own. So there's a lot of, at, at stake here, I think. Yeah, it's that last part where it gets a little squirrely, right? Because if, if it's a big success, your opportunities to go out and do anything inorganic to, to kind of get on par with what they would have created, it's tough to see how you do that. It, it's it's You're in a difficult spot at that point, which, hey, if you want to spin it, it fr- from their perspective, you can say, well, if that's the outcome, then we go from a world where there's only two people who might bid on our content in Netflix and, and the Walt Disney company. Now we're in a situation where there's three people who can, who can bid for, you know, or license our content, which, you know, it's, it's the route that Sony has really gone down. The difference in my mind, correct me if I'm wrong is, well, one Comcast still has huge exposure to us linear TV. Um, and the second one is, you know, it's, it's just hard to see. I look at the numbers on the Sony deal, for example, and the Wall Street Journal reported that, you know, people familiar with the situation say it's basically hundreds of millions of dollars a year and something north of a billion dollars over the course of five years. I, I think it's just for their U.S. theatrical slate. And, you know, it's windowed. It doesn't stay on Netflix the whole time. So it's not like it's the, the marquee package, but it does include library as well, as far as what I've heard, that's not that much money in the, well, in the grand scheme of things for an NBCU. I mean, what do you, what do you, go ahead. Well, it's, I think it's a lot of money because I don't think it includes that much library rights. It's okay. only, it's only U.S. And then it's basically only U.S. for the films that go to movie theaters. There's a side part of the deal where if Sony makes a movie and then they decide, hey, maybe we don't want to take it to theaters, that Netflix will have first dips. So you think about it. This is for movies. They're going to go in the movie theater. They're going to be there nine months, but potentially shorter now, given the windows are, are changing fast. So call it like a couple of months. Don't go to Netflix only for a year and a half, and then that's it. And this is only U.S. Hmm. They go to Disney after as a part of another deal with Sony. So collectively, what they're getting paid what they're what what Sony is getting is getting paid plus for the amount of content that it is plus you have this other side deal that you sell original movies plus then those movies go to Disney and Disney's paying you well and this is only US um it's it's 
it's a lot, I think. Uh, and I, I was okay, but that that's to yeah. the point then. I mean, if 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 Peacock event is is an eventually just a big failure and they don't they don't get in on the party with being a global D to C business, do they have a viable route long term as a licensor? I think they do, but I think that question basic what are they waiting for, right? Because and and to be fair to them, um they're experimenting. So the DreamWorks movie Boss Baby 2 is gonna go out and co- come out in theater soon and it's gonna be released on on the Peacock streaming service in the US at the same time. So they're they're gonna see, learn there how if that movie drives Peacock uh new Peacock users. Um and their universal output deal with HBO is going to end soon. And it, there's the, the chatter is that Comcast is going to keep those rights so that they'll fuel it to Peacock. The signs are that Comcast wants to start to take things in-house. And I would agree that the licensing route is is always available to them. But it seems like they're pushing hard to not to license necessarily a lot. So why not try to be, why not to try to be a much bigger business and and much global and not depend on anybody? But to your point, I mean, and we can, this is a good potential segue to the Amazon MGM. Amazon's buying MGM. And apparently one of the reasons that, that Amazon accelerated its interest in MGM is because they also bid for the Sony licensing deal that Netflix ultimately won and they right. were un- and they were unsuccessful. So that's Amazon's another bidder as well. So if Universal says, you know, HBO Max Discovery you're there, Disney you're there, Netflix you're there, Amazon you're there. Well, we can we can do the Sony playbook and make a lot a lot of money. But the signs are that they want to take rights in house. So if you want to take rights in house and why don't you want to improve your hand is kind of my point in terms of getting involved with Warner. Yeah. And my point on mentioning, you, know, you just laid it out. Well, this isn't, this is by far, isn't even close to everything that Sony has, but a couple hundred million a year for some context, I'm looking at NBC news, 2019 results, cable networks, broadcast television and filmed entertainment were North of 25 billion in revenues and you know around seven billion in EBITDA. So these are these are big businesses, and you know you you need some big licensing agreements. Obviously, all of that's not going away anytime soon, if ever. But you need some you need some big deals for that to make sense. But yeah, let's jump to the Amazon one because it's interesting. There was as you as you mentioned, they they tried to get on the Sony deal. Netflix won out. In the Wall Street Journal article, article it says, and this probably has to do with that more than the pending Warner Discovery deal, it says, you know, Amazon and MGM talked in January, but the discussions cooled. But then in recent weeks, began meeting again, and the talks advanced rapidly. Um, and, you know, they paid paid six and a half billion, about eight and a half billion after debt. Second largest deal in Amazon's history after Whole Foods. Uh, it's them a library of over 4,000 films. And the quote from the SVP of, of Prime Video and Amazon Studios was, you know, it's a treasure trove of IP, and we're going to reimagine and develop together with MGM's talented team. So just how do you think about this deal in the context of everything that we're talking about? I think it shows that the streaming business is, is very, very hard. Um, 
I think Amazon has been successful, but definitely ha they haven't had that many shows and movies that have like dominated um, the attention of of the world, really. And I think they're realizing a couple of things. They're realizing that they're gonna lose to to the bidding war with Netflix for any hot deal if Netflix really wants it. Because I think the Sony deal, there's a lot of good content and assets there. And basically Netflix bid a lot of money and Sony thought it, that was the best place for their content to go. And apparently Amazon really wanted that deal. They couldn't win. So there's a that's one realization. The other realization is that what's driving a lot of these streaming services and particularly Disney is um, big shows and IP that that really can drive a kind of like what John Malone mentioned in his interview, one big movie or show can drive a huge campaign of signing of a, a bunch of people. I think HBO Max has had a little bit more success than when it or initially launched because many of their movies like Wonder Woman 2 went directly to HBO Max Godzilla versus Kong. And I think you see with Disney how a Mandalorian or a Marvel Marvel show can really drive conversation and signups. And Amazon hasn't really had that. They've had some, but they haven't had that. And to develop that IP is extremely, extremely hard. It's even hard for Netflix. I think Netflix wins for many, is successful for many reasons, but they haven't had that many real um, IP. I think you could, Stranger Things is IP. And they've licensed things from 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 others like the Karate Kid show Cobra Kai, which I think has got, garnered a lot of attention. But generally, Netflix building from scratch IP, they really haven't been able to do outside of Stranger Things, if you consider that you know top IP. And for Amazon to maybe wait ten, they've been at this video game for a while. Do they want to wait five years to really develop or ten to develop some huge IP? If even if the, you know, and questionable if they can be successful, so I think it pushed them to to buy MGM at a price that, you know, we don't have um, financial data. Hopefully, maybe maybe some will leak little by little, but it seems like it's a lot of money for a lot of IP, particularly a lot of it's old. That they don't really control the James Bond um, IP that comes with MGM and. MGM licenses a lot of content to others, so it'll take time for a lot of that to come back in-house. So it, it seems like Amazon, you know, it's it's a defensive move more than, you know, a little bit of offensive because you get some IP, but they, they're realizing that what they've been doing is not going to be enough to really compete with Netflix and others. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of interesting things about this. I, I just pulled up the New York Times article, um, Apple and Comcast had previously kicked MGM's tires and decided it was worth roughly $6 billion. I mean, it, it's what it's worth to one party is different than what it's worth to another party in this business, right? Or at least will be going forward. Um, you know, there was, there was a Morgan Stanley survey in, that, in the Wall Street Journal article about this deal that said 45% of Americans use Prime Video and it's second only to Netflix at about 60%. So, I mean... They, they are in a really interesting position and, 
you know, it's always, it's always hard for me to think about how they view this business, but it's, it's definitely a big deal. As I said, second biggest in their history. And, you know, it suggests that they're, they're willing to spend money to get, to get better at this. It, it, it makes me wonder too, there was a chart that showed usage of um, these different streaming services and, and Amazon or not Amazon, sorry, Apple was down near the bottom next to Paramount plus. And it's just kind of funny. I was watching a Faber interview from a couple of years ago and he's just saying, what is, what is Apple doing basically? Like, what are they going to try to do something big? And at that time it was discussed the idea, as you remember Malone saying, maybe they'll buy Disney and then ESPN will kind of get spun off. It's that obviously didn't happen. And it's just, I don't know exactly how they're viewing this. Do you think they would also consider doing something big? I mean, obviously they're in a position where they wanted to do a deal with someone as big as, NBCU, they could they could presumably make that happen. I think Apple would love to, um, but a couple of things. Apparently, reporter Apple did look at buying Time Warner before, but it would have been a, you know, Apple could have instantly financed it. It would have been a big deal, and it's a messy company with a lot of things that maybe Apple doesn't want to deal with, such as cable channels. Um, I think Apple would love to have. Warner Brothers Studios in-house and the IP and then them being able to leverage that in terms of their apps and and consumer products in some ways. But I think there's not a lot of not a lot that Apple can really do to get a clean asset. Maybe a Lionsgate, right? That's a studio out there and they and they own stars. But I think one of the leaks that came out from from the Amazon MGM talks that I think you pointed out is that Amazon reached out to Sony to see if they could buy that studio. And that's, they have not only the, the film studio, which is what we've been talking about, but the, but the television studio of Sony does really, really good shows. They did, they did the crown. They did for all mankind for Apple. So if they could get those, you know, Amazon wanted those, those are much better than MGM. Um, much much better and if they could if you could have and they have a much bigger infrastructure of making television and movies than mgm if you could buy that and plug it in in-house very very attractive deal but sony doesn't want to sell it's a it's a, a conglomerate that they've run their their business in a certain way it doesn't appear like they've had they've had activist investors such as a uh, dan Loeb third point in the past and to break up the company and they, they haven't wanted to. So that would be a great deal for Apple, but you know, then you, you really, you're really stuck um, building out your own uh, investing content yourself. And that's, that's tough. That's not easy to do. What Netflix has done is extremely, extremely hard. And there's not a lot of clean deals available for an Apple, even for an Amazon. I mean, they had to, you're paying almost 9 billion for MGM, and um, I could argue that's a very, 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 very expensive way to, to gain in-house capabilities and some IP um, that maybe you could have been more patient, I don't know. Well, let's, let's talk about Netflix because it's, you know, there's a lot happening. Obviously, there's a bunch of chaos and change taking place in the yeah. industry generally. You're seeing you know, a bunch of people continue to try with AVOD and it's, you know, depending on what numbers you look at it, maybe it's moving the needle, maybe it's not. How do you, how do you think about 
where they're at and and what Reed Hastings and Ted Sarando should be worrying about, if anything. I I think they're in a. I'm I'm bullish on. I mean, I own Netflix stock. I'm I'm bullish of of where they are. Um, they're very focused on the things that they need to accomplish. They don't have to deal with cable channels and other things. Um, it's a subscription business. They get revenue every month, and they're they're starting to 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 see the light of generating a lot of cash flow going forward. You know, they outbid Amazon. Amazon is is what is it uh, approaching two trillion? I don't know where the market cap is currently. Uh, definitely above a trillion. So, you're you're outbidding trillion dollar companies, and maybe Sony just preferred to have it their content with Netflix as well because they know it'd be very well highlighted and that's sort of a destination for for streaming so i think they're at a very good place when many people many content companies will realize that they can't build a streaming service on their own maybe there's like four globally everybody else licenses so i think netflix is at a very strong position to license um versus others i think you know just to jump in real quick part of the thinking there is that as people inevitably fail, they return to the position of licensing. I guess that leaves open the risk that if they don't return to licensing and they actually become part of other enterprises in hopes of getting bigger, they run the risk of effectively seeing a competitor created over time through consolidation, right? Yeah, definitely. But I mean, they've always had to compete with HBO and they've always had to compete with with Amazon and Hulu. Um, I think they can can compete well with with Disney, and and they've shown that for their results. So I think they're at a. I think they're at. I mean, you definitely don't want more competitors investing way more money in the same in- industry that you are, and so they're going to have to deal with that. But I think many players are going to realize how costly it is. I mean, the amount of resources Disney is putting. I'm not sure how many others could actually do that as well. So and then the. The other part of Netflix is that, I mean, take YouTube. YouTube is the the quote-unquote video streaming app that has the most usage globally. And obviously, it's user-generated content. But they tried to have this YouTube premium uh, business. And they they actually were the ones who developed the the um, Karate Kid TV show. Nobody watched it on YouTube. They even put it for free after uh, after a while. And when it went on Netflix, it was a global sensation. So Netflix has a lot of advantages, um, particularly because of the focus that they have. And I think if, if there is a hole, yeah, you're going to have to deal with more competition. I feel like they can fight that, particularly when you look at a global landscape where you need a lot of local content. And Disney CEO Bob Chaker was, Chapek was at a conference this week and he said, like, we're investing a lot in local content. I think when you look at new competitors as one and Discovery, they're probably going to start ramping that up over time, right? And Netflix has been building studios in, in India and in Latin America and many countries for some years now. Where they're, so they'll deal with the competition. I think they're, they're, they're at a huge advantage in terms of licensing content. Um, where there might be a hole is the, the name of the game that's been uh, everyone's been talking about intellectual property IP. Uh, one of the reasons why Amazon bought MGM. And 
you know, you could argue that they don't necessarily need to have a Marvel type of property. Um, so, but I think having a Marvel type of property can, can ultimately uh, lead to lower content costs in the grand scheme of things because you get more bang for your buck, even though developing very high quality IP is costs a lot of money. Um, so we'll see. I, th I think it'll be interesting to see if they can carve out some deals and look the Sony deal. Like I mentioned earlier, cars out, you know, Sony movies going directly to Netflix. Um, and you saw, you've seen some animated movies. Um, there was a family movie called the Mitchells versus the world or I forget the exact title, which is a Sony animated movie, very high quality, very top creators went straight to Netflix and has done very well. You have a Lin-Manuel Miranda animated movie with, with Sony that's also going direct to Netflix. So they want more of that. And if they can carve out more deals like that or, or, or acquire IP strategically, I think they should definitely do it. But um, we'll see. I think they have different problems or challenges. I wouldn't say they're problems than the other streaming services. But I prefer having 210 million subscribers approaching with line of sight of, and the data that they have and and the content spent budget that they have versus others that have to deal with integrations and regulatory approvals and high uh, high leverage and and pay tv assets that are declining yeah i'd add not not only that not only are they very uh, well positioned in terms of scale i'd much rather prefer to be them with a single offering that's been cl very clearly marketed for you know, a decade or whatever it is, as opposed to these companies, which, as you just said, definitely have to deal with integration and things like that. They also need to figure out in the back end what products are actually going to offer. Are they going to be, you know, subscription video? Are they going to be ad supported? Are they going to have sports and live news? How are they going to brand those things to the extent they do have them? I just, a lot of it's really messy. And, you know, it's one thing when you're an investor and you follow this stuff, 24 seven and you can, you can understand where things are going. But as we saw with HBO, when they originally started doing things in D to C, it can get really messy, really quick, really quick. And you have a, you have a small opportunity to really get consumers to care. And I, I wonder if some of these companies will, will face challenges as they try to navigate that. Definitely. All right. I don't have anything else unless you want to end it with a uninformed big prediction about what happens next. <laughs> If you want to do that, you can, and maybe I'll tack one on. But if not, we can just end it. I'll take a flyer. I mean, awesome. I, I'll I'll say that. Um, I'll say Brian Roberts makes some noise somehow. Maybe not Warner, but he's not gonna, you know, you know, kind of hold his ground and and cross his arms. I think he's gonna see how he can strengthen. This is a person who's built an empire um with different media and 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 broadband assets and i don't think he's just going to cross his arms and see his company become less relevant so i would look to him to see what he does i'm not sure the cfo at the conference that you mentioned earlier basically said like hey we we upped our buyback authorization to 10 billion and we're going to start today basically or or now 
I don't think Brian Roberts, you know, he wants his stock to do well. It has done well. It's near highs. But he's not a buyback person and have people happy. I think he wants to see NBCU strengthen. So I, I would look to him um, to see what he does. So I think he'll do something, whether it's disrupt disrupt the Warner deal, which I think would be the the right thing to do, whether it is to maybe – carve out some assets from Viacom or by Lionsgate or, or by something else or, um, or, or, or decide that he wants to up the Peacock content spend significantly. But I, I would look to him to make a splash. Uh, I'd be surprised if he just says, Oh, we're going to keep leverage at 2.5 times EBITDA constant and buy back stock. And that's her story. Um, how about you? Yeah, I think that's the, I think that's the one here that, that seems most obvious. You know what I mean? I, I, the Malone stuff talking about the conversations that him and Brian purportedly had, it's, it's just, just funny to me. It's like blood in the water in a certain sort of way. And I don't, I don't totally know what to think about it. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really think he can just sit idly by and watch things play out for the next two, three, four quarters, two, three, four years if, as time, you know, time really does start to, to run by. I was just looking a second ago when you were talking to, to one of the first questions, Disney first invested in BAM tech. It was in 2016. I mean, it's been five mm-hmm. years now it, to, to a point you've made many times that I've really taken to heart. It, it takes a long time to really get turned and to really start going. And I, I would argue as I have in the past that Peacock is not that thing. So they need to find, they need to find a new direction. And, you know, much like, I don't think it's as extreme, but much like AT&T realized they didn't want to run this parallel to a business with a lot of capital intensity and a lot of needs to, uh, for investment. I wonder if Comcast eventually gets to the same place. So I think we'll, we'll get, you know, it's always with Comcast, we'll, we'll get that Wall Street Journal article that says people familiar with the matter said X, Y, Z. And that will tip the hand in terms of, of what they're thinking. But I, I would expect something sooner rather than later. Agreed. But anyways, all right, Francisco, the, the, the media futurist, what do I call you? No, 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 that's, that's rich. <laughs> that's rich Greenfield. I think that's rich. Greenfield. Oh, I bet. I get you guys mixed up sometimes. 